0: Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell, lead pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter one, Matthew chapter one, first book in the New Testament. And then on your way there, if you see Isaiah as you're flipping through, get your, put a marker there in Isaiah chapter seven. And uh, we're going to be looking at both passages today. Matthew chapter 1, a very great Christmas, familiar Christmas verse. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken or said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's not only a beautiful Christmas verse. It's not only the kind of verse that just makes you feel good at Christmas time, God with us. It's such a powerful concept, just in and of itself. But when you understand the context, you realize just how absolutely incredible that promise is that there's a God who not only loves us, but desires to be close to us and desires to help us with the problems we face in life. All of us have problems at different times. Some are little, some are medium-sized, some are ginormous. I don't know what you're facing today as you're watching online or you're at Joplin or you're here at the South Campus. But you may be facing a problem and you really don't know what to do. You don't know what the solution is. Your marriage may be on the rocks. Nobody knows. You know, and you're just trying to hold it together through the holiday season, and then you'll decide after that what to do. It's a problem. Some of you are facing situations financially. You've made bad decisions, or things have been decided for you beyond your control, and now all of a sudden you don't know what you're going to do. You can't. You're wondering how you're going to pay the mortgage. You're wondering how you're going to make it. You're wondering where to turn, and it doesn't seem there's any solutions to your problem. Others, you're struggling with. It could be an emotional problem. You could have anxiety. You could have depression. It could be physical. And you're tired of the problem, and the doctors aren't offering you a solution to the problem. You don't know what to do. Here's the interesting thing about this passage. At the heart of the Christmas story is a reminder that God not only loves us, he wants to be with us, and he wants to help us. And in order for us to understand that, I'd like us to look at Isaiah chapter 7, because Isaiah chapter 7 is what Matthew is quoting in Matthew chapter 1. When you come to Isaiah, it's 700 years before the time of Christ, and and what you have happening in the land of Israel, there's been a civil war, the country has split into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, northern kingdoms called Israel, southern kingdoms called Judah, The northern kingdom never has a godly king, and they are plagued by idolatry, sensuality, and problem after problem. The southern kingdom, Judah, when they've got a good king, things go well. When somebody loves God, things go way better than when the leader doesn't love God. That is not only a principle for politics, it is a principle for our home. When you and I love God, then things go way better than when you and I don't. It's not saying there's not a problem, it's just simply saying when you go through the problem, you have an awareness of God, you have access to God, and you have a confidence in God to solve your problems, and he will do mighty things and miraculous things for you. The good news is this, though. God is not only willing to help people who love him, he's reaching out to people who don't. And that's the story you have here in Isaiah chapter 7, because when you come to Isaiah 7, the nation of Judah, though they've had many good kings, currently have a horrible king. In terms of what he does, we read this in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, And verse one, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel and also made cast idols for worshiping the Baals, which are fertility gods. The way you worship these is you have temple prostitutes, male and female. The way the king worships them is he has sexual relations with the prostitutes on a public platform. And everybody watches. I and mean, it is a debauched sensuality that is hard for us to imagine. And it is what they got from the Canaanite society. Not only is he doing that, but watch this. He burned sacrifices in the valley of Ben-Hinnom and sacrificed his sons, plural, in the fire. This is, this is shocking. The valley of Ben-Hinnom is not a valley way out in the country, it is right on the side. You have the walls of Jerusalem that go down into a valley. It's right there. In fact, that valley was also known as the Valley of Topeth. The word Topeth, drums, it's the Valley of Drums because what they would do to shield the city from the screams of infants being sacrificed in the fire, they would beat a drum to drown out the cries of the infants. It's it's really shocking. This is this king. The reason why I'm telling you this is because sometimes people have the idea that they've gone too far, they're too bad, they've done too much for God to even want to help them, let alone help them. Here's a wicked, godless king doing this, and yet here is the incredible love of the Lord who goes after people who do all kinds of things and God pursues them and God desires to help them. And I don't know where you're at today. I'm just simply saying no matter where, what you've done, no matter where you've been, and no matter how long you've been doing it, God loves you. He loves you more than you could possibly imagine. And a lot of times, people have the idea, well, I don't deserve it, or I'm not worthy, or I don't know how God could even stand me, or how God could forgive me. But the good news is, nothing God does is based on what you and I deserve. All of it is based on his great love, and his grace, and his desire to help people, and to lift people, and to change people's lives with his power. He loves you that much that he brought you here today. He brought you to hear this message. He brought you to encourage you that if you'll look to him, if you'll open your heart to him, you can see God do things in your life that are absolutely miraculous. So here's Ahaz. He offered sacrifices. He burned incense on the high places, hilltops under every spreading tree. Therefore, the Lord his God handed him over to the king of Aram. The Arameans defeated him, took many of his people as prisoners, and brought them to Damascus. He was also given into the hands of the king of Israel. Who inflicted heavy casualties on him. And one day, Pekah, son of Remaliah, who's the king of Israel. Killed 120,000 soldiers in Judah. I mean, you're talking a massive slaughter militarily. Because Judah had forsaken the Lord the God of their fathers and the Israelites took captive from their kinsmen, 200,000 wives, sons, and daughters. So they, they take 200,000 captives. They're met as they come home by a prophet who says, listen, you thought, you thought God was, was angry with us before? Now what you've done, you've slaughtered your, your relatives with a cry that has reached to heaven. And if you don't let those people go, I'm telling you, you're, it's gonna, not going to go well for you. So they let him go, but they don't give him back the plunder. And here's a map that kind of shows he's been invaded from here and had 120,000 people killed, 200,000 people captured. He's been invaded from here and suffered significant losses. We're going to read in a minute. He's invaded from Edom from the southeast, and they take captives. And then he's invaded from the Philistines this way, and they're taking captives. So literally... Everywhere he turns, there's problems. That, that almost seems hard to believe, and yet some of you are living that kind of reality right now. Everywhere you look, it, on the one hand, it's financial. On the other hand, it's physical. On the other hand, it's relational. On the other hand, things aren't going well at work, and you feel like you're surrounded by problems. And, and here's the good news. The God who is Emmanuel, the God with us God... Has brought you here today because God wants to change the whole trajectory of your life. God wants to do something that is so far beyond your ability to imagine, to bring wholeness and healing and and to bring remedy to problems you can't begin to resolve. And he wants to do it if you'll open your heart to him and invite him to do it. Well, let's go to Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 1. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, Rezin of Aram, Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Now, the house of David was told, Aram has allied itself with Ephraim. So the hearts of Ahaz and his people were shaken as the trees of the forest are shaken by the wind." So what you have is you have now, these two have separately attacked. Now they're both together and they're coming against Judah. The reason why they're doing it is because the greater threat in that part of the world, map number two, is the Assyrian kingdom. They're the superpower. And here's what's happening is Syria or Aram and Israel are saying, if we're going to defeat them, this whole region needs to stand as one and needs to stand against the Assyrians. So they've gone to Ahaz, and they've said, listen, we want you to form an alliance with us, and he said, not happening. He feels the Assyrians are stronger than these two or the three of them together, and he is, in fact, probably right. So he won't join them, so they're going to attack him, and their purpose is to overthrow him as the king, put in a puppet king who will do what they want, and Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 6, let us invade Judah, let us tear it apart, divide it among ourselves, make the son of Tabeel king over it. What happens is in the midst of this, King Ahaz, wicked, godless king, he's saying, well, if I'm going to stand against these two kings, and they've already defeated me uh, horribly, I'm going to go to the king of Assyria and ask him to help me. In 2 Chronicles chapter 28, at that time, King Ahaz sent for the king of Assyria to help him. But what's interesting is it was no help at all. In 2 Chronicles chapter 28 verse 20, this is what it says. The king of Assyria came to him, but he gave him trouble instead of help. Ahaz took some of the things from the temple of the Lord and from the royal palace and from the princes and presented them to the king of Assyria, but it did not help him. So he gets all the gold, he sends it to the king of Assyria, and the king of Assyria is going to attack him anyway. Now, as all of that's happening, in the middle of all that, God comes to Ahaz through the prophet Isaiah, and he says to him some things to try to get his attention. What he says, in essence, is, I want to help you. I don't know what you hear God saying to your heart today, But whether you're walking with him or not walking with him, in this service today, right now, you're watching online, you're here at the in-person service, God is saying, I want to help you. I want to help you with that relationship that seems broken beyond repair. I want to help you with your finances. I want to help you physically. I want to help you emotionally. I want you to have peace. I don't want you to have anxiety. I I wanna help you to know what to do with that problem that doesn't seem to go away, that seems to be recurring. I I wanna break that addiction and I wanna help you. I wanna work in your problems. Big problems, little problems, medium-sized problems. And as we look at this, I wanna give you four principles on what to do when problems come. Just quickly, four principles. On what to do when problems come. Principle number one. When problems come. Remember you are his child. The thing that gets most. People in trouble is. They forget how much God loves them. In fact can I just say to you. That until. You come to terms with the fact. God deeply loves you. More than you can possibly imagine. It will be very hard for you to trust God in the midst of a problem, or even to seek God's help as a solution and an answer to your problem. Here's what's really interesting to me as we're walking through this season of healing because, I mean, every week I see it in the testimonies. People say, you know, I just didn't feel worthy, or I didn't think God would do it, or or I, I didn't feel I deserved it. Well, guess what? Nobody deserves it. So if we're going to go on that basis, we all just should go home because we don't deserve one thing. So He doesn't do anything because we deserve it. He does it because he loves us, whether we deserve it or not. God loves you more than you can imagine. And the reason why a lot of people don't receive from the Lord is because they won't look to the Lord because they don't realize how much the Lord loves them. And in many cases, not only how much he loves them, but they don't realize relationally what happened when they became a Christian that it was more than fire insurance that keeps somebody out of hell, but it's actually adoption into the family of God, where God now becomes our Father, that's why we pray, our Father who are in heaven, and Jesus is our brother, and we are joint heirs with him, we're co-heirs with him, you've been written into the will, you get what Jesus gets in eternity, that's how much God loves you, you're his child. So at the very start in Isaiah chapter seven, the the whole focus is on family relationship. Watch this, it's very interesting. When Ahaz, son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah, was king of Judah, King Rezan of Aram, and Pekah, son of Remaliah, king of Israel, marched up to fight against Jerusalem, but they could not overpower it. Notice the term son of, son of, son of. It appears seven times in six verses. It's very, very interesting. Nine times in the first 14 verses. It's as if this whole passage is predicated and based on family relationship, on the family relationship we have with God. In other words, God is saying to Ahaz, get a hold of yourself. You belong to a godly line. You belong, you're a son of David. And here's the king of Israel, the king of, of, of Aram. They're trying to get rid of him. And this is what God says. Watch. Let us go up against Judah and terrify it. Let us conquer it for ourselves. Let us set up the son of Tabil as king in the midst of it. Thus says the Lord God, it will not stand and it shall not come to pass. It's not going to happen because... I have an obligation to Ahaz, even though he shows no obligation to me. Listen, what does the Bible say in the New Testament? I don't have it in my notes, so you just have to take my word for it. When we are faithless, he is faithful, for he cannot deny himself. This is the good news of Emmanuel, God with us. It's not it's not how good you did at your devotions this week that get you God's help in your situation. Now listen, um, there's things that happen when you and I, it's easier to trust God and it's easier to hear from God when you're walking close to God. But the enemy has convinced some of you God's not going to help you because of your track record in serving God and he's disheartened you from seeking God and he loves it that way. And it's not reflective of all, at all, of how God views you. This is the good news of, of a Savior who came for us, of God near us, of God with us, that God wants to help us. And if, if you're a, a believer, if you're a child of God, you've given your heart to Christ, you are his child. I mean, I love this verse in, in John chapter 1 and verse 12. Yet yeah, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You're his child. And let me show you something, remind you of something. It shows how gracious God is because God makes this promise to help Ahaz. And what is Ahaz? He's a godless, wicked king. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that it doesn't matter how you live and do what you want and God will you out every time. I'm just simply saying that you're here today because there's something inside you that says either I want to get close to God, I want to walk with God, and some of you are trying very hard and, and not as successful in your own efforts as you'd like to be, which I think is true of most people. And God loves you. And he cares for you. And if it was dependent upon, on your track record to get an audience with God or get help from God, most people would be bereft. You'd be without. But God loves you so much and he has relationship with you and he wants to help you. Some of you need to hear that today because you're wondering if he will. And the answer is not only will he, he wants to. Number two, when problems come, the solution is spiritual, not physical. Now, this, is, this is a principle that, that you see throughout scripture, but it's really incredible how it's put together here. Then the Lord said to Isaiah, go out, you and your son, shear Jashub to meet Ahaz. Say to him, be careful to keep calm and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of these two smoldering stubs of firewood, because of the fierce anger of Rezin and Aram and of the son of Remaliah, Do you know what? God is saying, okay, Ahaz, part of your problem is you're looking at this in the natural. And when you're looking at it in the natural, you're saying, well, they did this to me before and they can do it again. And they're super powerful and, and they're gonna come against me and they're, I, I may be destroyed. You're looking at it in the natural. God is saying supernaturally, when I look at them, what I see them as is I see them as two smoldering stubs of firewood. You say, what are we talking about there? You burn. How many have a real fireplace in your house? Debbie wishes we did and we don't, and I love it, but um, I like a real fire. I just don't like have to keep up after it. So anyway, but you get the, you get the leftover parts of the log. You know, in the morning, there's, you know, a few stubs. Or if you have a fire pit, a few stubs, and what are you going to do with them? You can, if they're, the embers are still hot, you can push them together and restart the fire. But if the fire's gone out, it's pretty much they're done, right? They're trash. You're not going to you're not going to make a bowl out of them. You're not going to build a anything with them. They're useless. They're worthless. They've been spent. They're of no value. That's what he's saying here. Listen their best day is done. They don't have any more effect. They have no power. They have no strength. They're burned up. They're used up. And Ahaz is looking at the problem through natural eyes. He sees their anger, but God is saying, no, listen, you got to look at this spiritually or you'll never see things accurately. Let me say that again. If you don't look at things spiritually, you'll never see them accurately. If you only look with your natural eyes and you don't get God's view of your situation, you will never have an accurate picture of how things really are. How are you looking at your problem? Let me ask you that. Are you looking at it purely from a physical perspective, what you can see, what you can understand, what you can plan out? If so, then the solutions you're seeking will be physical, and they'll be solely based on what you can do. And when you and I do what we can do in the natural, and we don't include God in the situation, and we don't see it supernaturally, we're going to end up with less than what God would have had for us, or we may absolutely make a massive mistake. Here's Ahaz's advisors, and they're saying, hey, listen. You better act, you better go to the king of Assyria, make an alliance, or you're going to be wiped out. And Isaiah comes, and Isaiah says, stop, Ahaz, you're not looking at this in a supernatural way. You're not looking at it through spiritual eyes, you're looking at it through physical eyes. And the problem is not primarily political. The problem and the solution is not primarily military strength or strategy. The problem is not that you don't have the creativity. The problem is not that you don't know what to do. The problem is you're not looking to God. That's the problem. And he's trying to help him see, listen, life at its core is spiritual. It's a spiritual battle. That's why Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and uh, the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We we face problems and, and we have these questions, but if we don't get a spiritual perspective, if we don't wait on God and say, God, what do you want me to do if we assume we just know we're going to make a mistake most of the time? Because the answer is always, primarily spiritual. This is why you pray about everything. This is why you seek God in everything. This is why you do what, what you can uh, to seek God every way you can and then wait on God. And a lot of times God's way is very different from our way. I mean, look at this. This is obvious. Isaiah, the Lord said, go out and meet your, with your son, Shir Jashub, meet Ahaz, say to him, be careful to keep calm and do not be afraid. Do not lose heart. And here's what it here's how... It reads, be careful not to do anything in the original. Don't do one thing. You know what? It's not always the answer, but often it's answer. Just, God's answer. Just wait on me. You say, but I can't wait because if I wait, they'll attack. Just wait. You say, but if I wait, then how's something going to happen? I got to make it happen. Just wait. Well, I don't know how waiting is going to help anything. It's okay, just wait. Ahaz thought the answer would be to buy help. But here's what happened. I mean, look at this. Very interesting. The king of Assyria came to him, but he gave him trouble instead of help. Ahaz took some of the things from the temple of the Lord and from the royal palace and from the princes and presented them to him, but it did not help him. Nothing he does in the physical realm is going to help him. It's only going to make it worse. And the reason why is because it's a spiritual problem. That leads us to a third thing. When problems come, you must stand firm in your faith. God gives Ahaz this promise. I'm going to help you. And all Ahaz has to do is one thing. Say, okay, I'll let you. Look at this in verse nine, very interesting. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. In the Hebrew, this is a rhyme. It, it kind of, it would be like this, trust or bust. I mean, it, it's a re- repetition. If you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand. If you don't stand, you won't stand. That's a, that's a word for some people today. God is saying, I want to help you, but if you don't trust me in this, you're not gonna, it's not going to go well for you. That's not a judgment. That's just simply saying the facts. It's not like God's out to get you. It's just God saying, listen, there's one way out of this. The problem is not physical, it's spiritual. Your only solution is spiritual, and if you don't trust me, it is not going to go well for you. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. Your faith Or lack of it has ramifications beyond what you can imagine on entities beyond you. My faith or lack of faith has ramifications, obviously, for Debbie, my wife, has ramifications for my kids, has ramifications for my grandkids, it has ramifications for you. Big ramifications. The way you serve God, you say, well, yeah, you're a pastor, so that makes sense. But no, you, in your situation, your faith has ramifications on your family, your extended family, on the place where you work, on your friends. It has ramifications. Think of this. Here's a wicked king who sacrifices his children in the fire. And God is saying, if you will just believe I'm going to help you, that's all you have to do is just say, I believe you're going to help me. It will affect the geopolitical situations of nations. It'll affect Assyria, it will affect Aram, it will affect Israel. One man's faith has that kind of effect far beyond his own, you know, 12 inch by 12 inch square where he's standing. I'm just simply saying, what you and I believe or don't believe has has a lot to do not only with what we experience, but what happens to the people around us. If if you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. And the result is a lot of people are going to be affected because of your unwillingness to trust the Lord. And what's so sad about this is Ahaz doesn't listen. Ahaz says, no, nope, I'm I, I just I'm not going to trust God on this. He takes matters in his own hands. He makes an alliance with Assyria. It blows up in his face, all because he's not willing to just sit back and say, you know what? I'm not gonna do anything. I'm gonna believe God. I'm gonna wait on him. I'm gonna trust him. And I'm gonna believe that by that one tiny little act on my minuscule little bit of faith, that God's gonna change not only my world, but the world of a lot of other people because he's God and I'm not. And this is a word for people today who are in a situation, your back's against the wall. What are you gonna do? God is saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. If you trust me, I'll do what you could never do on your own. But you're gonna have to trust me. That leads me to a fourth principle I want you to see. When problems come, God is with you. Isaiah tells Ahaz, Ask God for a sign. So after all of this, Isaiah says, Hey Ahaz, come on. Listen, just believe God. And if you're struggling to believe God, then ask for a sign. And Ahaz, and and you know, Isaiah says, make it as big as you want, which is really an amazing statement. And Ahaz says, No, I don't think I'm gonna do that. And I don't care what sign God would give me, I'm not gonna trust him. <laughs> That's an amazing statement from a, a man who has shown you know, negative zero belief in God. He's like, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna trust God. I'm not gonna ask for a sign because I don't want God's help. I don't need God's help. And I don't care what God does. That's what he's saying. Wow. And you can read the story. It does not go well for him. And then he has a son, and his son says, I'm going to trust God, and it goes really well for him. In fact, he becomes really one of the greatest kings in the history of Judah. So great that rabbis at the time of Jesus said, we do not need to look for a Messiah. He has come in the person of King Hezekiah. They they viewed him as one of the greatest of all time, the son of Ahaz. See, if you believe God, God will do things you can't begin to imagine. But if you won't believe God, then at some point, you're on your own. And some of you are at a real real deciding point on this today. God has brought you here. This is an unusual Christmas message, but it is a Christmas message. The final thing is, when problems come, God is with you. The Lord says, listen, you don't want to ask for a sign? Okay, I'm going to give you a sign. You know what the sign is? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be a child and give birth to a son, and they will call him God with us. That's the sign. So Christmas then becomes for you and I this sign that God wants to help us. That God, regardless of where we've been, what we've done, He's the God who reaches out to us. You could have been as wicked as Ahaz, be hard to imagine that. But God's still, God's not written you off, God's not done with you, God's not said, Well, you're too wicked for me to help. No, God with us, God reaching out to you, God wanting to help you. God wanting to show you his power. And if you know him at all, how much more would that be true? God wanting to help you. You say, but I don't, I don't deserve the help. And people get caught up on this, I, what I deserve, what I don't deserve. Listen, nobody deserves anything. So once, once we get to that point, we can understand that it's not about what we deserve. It's about what God does. That's why it's called grace. And this is the amazing love of God. It reaches out to people who don't deserve it. And and the gospel is God with us, not because we deserve it, but because he loves us and he comes after us. God with us, not because we drew close to him, though now we can through the gospel, but God with us because he drew close to us first. We love him because he first loved us, the Bible says. God with us means God wants to help you. God is for you. God cares about you. And no matter what you're going through or ever will go through, you're never going to be alone. You're not alone today. Some of you feel like you're all alone. That's not true. God is with you. God is for you, God wants to help you, and the God who came on that first Christmas is the God who is with you on this Christmas, and he loves you, and he cares about you, and he'll speak to you, and and he will do things for you. You can't begin to imagine, and he gave us the sign, and the sign is a baby was born in a manger who was God, so that God lived and moved among us, and he was a human, and he knew what it was like. He was fully God, but fully man, and and he knew what it was to be and he knew what it was to be sad and he knew what it was to have a hard day and he knew what it was to to watch people he loved suffer and he knew all of that and he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities and, and he did all of that that he might die for us as a sacrifice for our sin that when we put our faith in him we might know a life in him that we could never on our own have God with us. God cares for us and he cares for you. So today wherever you're at Listen, look to him. Whatever you're going through, look to him. You say, I don't deserve it. Doesn't matter. Look to him. He's a God who wants to help us because he's a God who wants to be with us.